Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. G'day, welcome. This is Better Make It Quick. This is uh, a quick version of Better Than Yesterday, which is a podcast I've been doing since 2013, where every conversation is just here to help make your day-to-day better than yesterday. I'm Osha Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster. I'm, a, I'm an author. I'm a TV host. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad. I'm a bicycle rider. I'm happy to be here with you. And happy that uh, Bree, our producer here, has gone back in the back catalog and found a couple of chunks uh, from an episode from a few years back that she's gone, you know what, people should listen to this one because this is really good. And uh, I'm stoked that she did. Today, we are going to revisit our conversation with Ali Hill, episode 259. Ali Hill is a psychologist. She is uh, the CEO of the Australian financial review Fast 100 company, Pragmatic Thinking. And she's also the best-selling author of the book, Stand Out, A Real World Guide to Get Clear, Find Purpose, and Become the Boss of Busy. Ali first came on the show in 2018. Uh, I want to take you back to that chat. I was curious to know how Ali first realized there was a need for more, I guess, modern workplaces and how she identified that. There's a couple of different areas. So I I did my... um my undergrad degree and then went into vocational rehab, so helping people with disabilities and workplace injuries get back into work. So it's very much working with um, physios and OTs and doctors and workplaces. So that was that interesting to interesting dynamic to work with organisations and say, what do you need? And work with individuals saying, where can you fit in? What's your identity? What does work mean to you? And seeing how that kind of came to pass. And I found that how important conversations are. It was absolutely critical. There were employers who were ringing me saying, the person's been off sick, they haven't rung, they haven't rung us, they obviously don't care about work, we're, we're going to try and nail them down. And then I'd talk to the person I was working with and they would say, but work hasn't rung me, they obviously don't care about me, I'm definitely not going to go back there. And I'm this would you two just get together? Yeah. <laughs> so I just realised there was this gap in people understanding and how we relate to each other, especially mm. when things get hard and uncertain and human almost. Yeah. There's not a, um, a way of figuring that out that's outside of the insurance system and the processes and the way that we kind of work. So must that be, was, that must, was must be that. tricky if you're, like, just kind of think about that. Say if you've, I don't know, never, you know, just considering this now, like if you've had a, if you've had a workplace injury or you, you know, have had an ongoing thing with on a, a process that you're required to do at your work, it might even be something as simple as the wrong chair for a year and a half has left you with a, a thrown out lumber and now you need a different thing. But the person that was dealing with you didn't believe you for so long. And th- it must be difficult to kind of manage that 
resentment from not only the superior but also the employee, that your client. And like, how do you get them to? Now this, you got to go back, even though you've got shitty feelings about this place and all these shitty feelings now associated with the work that you do. It must be difficult to remember why you like this job. All right, let's help you get back there. And don't worry about. Bruce in HR. Don't worry about Jenny in HR, whoever. I'm just making their names up. You know what? That's the, I guess that's the challenge, right? It's so interesting. And, and what we know now is that that mind-body connection is so strong. So if people are feeling resentful, if they're feeling on the out, if they're feeling isolated, it shows up physically. Um, so if you've got pain in your back, it can inflame that pain. It can inflame that experience. It can make people... Um, you know, that injury actually be exacerbated by a whole range of different things. So it's intertwined. Um, so it is absolutely interesting of how you kind of pull that apart and how you almost work with organisations to have those conversations, to bring people in. Let's put on the table your fears, your concerns, rather than just sweep it under the carpet and hope it'll be okay. When did we, as a culture, start doing this kind of thing when we start to value the health of the employee right like when did we stop going from this is the job jenkins you do it if you can't do it we'll find someone else to do it sorry that your back hurts no i'm not even sorry i don't care a shit that your back hurts i need 50 of these done by the end of the day when did we go from that to jenkins your work is so valuable to us and you know you're only doing 42 of these a day how can we help you get to 50 because your work is valuable to me enough that I'm going to hire someone and cost me money to help you fill those last eight. When did we change it? What what years, what kind of decades did that sort of shift over? It's a really good question. I think it's probably about... Um, I mean, there's probably when unions be, had a voice, right. uh, so when employees started to have a voice, if you think of construction areas or, mm. um, you know, big areas where, where major injuries and even fatalities yeah. might happen, that's often the places that are highly unionised. And so I'd say that's where some of those conversations started to um, come about. If you think about where we are now, so much of that work that is unsafe or traditionally was unsafe is now automated. So it's done by machines, it's done in other ways. We can set up environments so that they are absolutely safe for people. You're not actually going anywhere near a bandsaw. You're not going anywhere near something that might harm you or put you in harm's way. Um, which means that the way that people turn up is now more critical than ever. Their, their mindset, their energy, their passion for the job, their interest, their sense of feeling part of something um, is is absolutely critical and we're seeing it in a whole range of different organisations, in businesses, and I think it's only going to get more and more where it's the individual that actually matters. So I think these conversations are going to happen even more and more. Why do you come to work? What are you interested in? Why come to this job now? Um, because you can work anywhere. So what is it about here? What are you proud of about work? How can we grow you as a human being, not just someone who can do the work that we require? Is your job also helping employers see the value in nourishing the employee like that, like that there will be an economic return from nourishing, taking the time and effort and money to nourish someone like that? A huge part of what we do is working with organisations around culture, which is around people. So who are you looking after? How are we having those conversations that we need to have. And it's not, 
it, I'm in this place where, where I'm a psychologist and people will say, this is the soft, fluffy stuff. This is the nice stuff. Um, and yet it's the hardest work to do because these are when we have to have the tough conversations. If someone is not delivering, if they're not turning up, they're not doing the job, they're not doing the task, they're they're coming in with bad energy. If you've got a restaurant and it's all about customer service and someone is down in the dumps, it has an impact on your bottom line. Uh, the same is true if that same person is working in accounts payable and they've got to work with <laughs> how do we get accounts paid, how do we get this sorted. They're not inspired, they're not lead up, they're not um, going the extra mile, they're not seeing something that's not that needs to be fixed and doing something about it. So it absolutely has an impact, but it's not the soft, fluffy stuff. It's some of the hardest thing that you will have to do. There's not a procedure and a process, but it is about turning up and being human. And it starts with the leaders in the organisation. It actually starts at the top. How willing you are to look at yourself how am I turning up? Uh, how am I impacting on the people around me? What's the, I think it's that Oprah quote, what's the energy I'm kind of bringing in the room? It's absolutely tangible and it makes a, a huge difference. I mean, there's there's so many statistics around around the impact of cultural shifts and employee engagement. Mm. Uh, we know that it, it makes money. Um, it's not just a nice thing to do. It actually makes money at the end of the day. And so it's, yeah, it's critical. During the conversation that I had with Ali, I was telling her that I'm sober and a part of a fellowship of other sober people. Acceptance is a big part of being sober, knowing that I can't control situations, but how I can control how I respond to those situations. Socially, this word acceptance, if someone says I have to accept it, feels like it's passive. It feels like it's giving up. But I think what you've just described and the power that sits behind it is this active acceptance is non-judgmental. It's not bad. It's not good. It just is. And the until you can get to that point, um, you can't then make any changes or you can't kind of move forward. So it is that importance of going, okay, what's happened has happened. Um, it is what it is. It's not bad. It's not good. It just is. I don't need to put a good or a bad label on it. Um, maybe if I could have gone back and rewritten it, I would have chosen something different, but it is what it is. So now what am I going to do about it? Now where else can I go? And when you do that, there's often a ton more choices than you ever thought possible. <laughs> there's so much power in that yeah. though. There's so much power. And even if my if my limbic system just fires and instantly I'm not in acceptance, instantly I'm in denial, instantly I'm like, but you, but I, but you, but, 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 but. I still have the opportunity to, if the first two or three sentences come out of my mouth, go, walk it back and go, oh, hang on a second. That was me just reacting in in fear. And then you accept that, right? <laughs> you accept your Sorry reaction. about that. Yeah. You know, you feel it. Okay, I'm just in touch with this thing that's happening in my stomach. Okay, all right. Oh, I can see what's happening. I just don't want to accept that that's there. Okay, then. Well, I can't change it. So now that it's there, what am I going to do about it? And the, but there's so much power there in that choice then. It's the ability, as Zach Delarocca from Raging Against the Machine would say, you get to take the power back. Uh, he was talking about something else, but I feel it works here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a big one. That's a really, that's a really, really big one. Tell me, uh, when we first sat down, we talked about this kind of impermeable or permeable membrane between between work and home. What are some signs? What are some signs? Because it's subtle, man. It's like it doesn't just suddenly happen. It's really subtle. What are some signs that you may be 
in a dangerous place when it comes to your boundary between work life and family life? I think it's important to recognise that that boundary is different for everyone. And so rather than kind of because there'll be some people who go, I'm really happy that there's no boundary that's blurred, that um, I I basically live and breathe work. Um, and if that's where you're at and you're really conscious about that and you really are purposeful and have a strong intention around it, beautiful. So there's no, it's not about it needing to be a certain way or that you only do work for eight hours and then it's only two afterwards. Like, And again, that comes with that kind of flexibility you choose. But it also does mean that you have to be conscious about it and you've got to be intentional about it. So I think some of the signs... <laughs> If I can start with me, if I know for me personally, um, and this is a beautiful question for all of your listeners to go know your own signs because it'll be different for other people. Mine are that I snap at my kids quicker than I should. Um, that I get cranky about little, little things that normally wouldn't bother me. Um, and it's almost that look in their eyes when they, they kind of go, wow, where did that come from? That I go, oh, there it is. <laughs> that's, that's me. It's not them. I get really flustered. So I will start a million things and not finish anything at home and work-wise. So I'll just, you know, how where you just move papers, <laughs> you just, you get a pile or you start doing all sorts of things. So I'll just get really flustered. Physiologically, I get really kind of anxious and my heart races and it's almost like I feel on edge. It's just this kind of constant overwhelm. Um, and my husband gets the worst end of me. So I, I won't even look him in the eye. I'll just, again, a bit like the kids, I'll get, kind of get snappy. So for me, they're my clear signs that boundaries are out of whack. Um, I haven't, it's almost like I'm resenting something that I have to do. And resentment's such an interesting emotion. When it shows up, it's usually because we haven't actually been clear about what we needed or we haven't actually set, set that boundary. We've said yes to something when actually we meant no or not yet or not for three hours. I could have done it for 10 minutes. Um, that was just a huge shot of lightning out there. Really? <laughs> yeah. So we're in the middle of this Sorry. fantastic southerly storm it's coming, coming in off the way. bay. That's exciting. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, we I, yeah. I live I live about a kilometre and a half from the ocean mm. and every now and again we've got this fantastic thunder. storm system that's yeah. coming up. Just the energy that's happening it's out there. Cool, right isn't now. It? It's cool, isn't it? I know. Gonna be amazing if we could harness all that energy. Oh, hang on, we can. But <laughs> for some reason, we want to burn We're coal instead. Uh, but look, yeah, when you see the power of that, when you see the yeah. energy of that bolt of lightning, there's like hundreds and hundreds of kilowatts smashing into the ocean, and you go like, "Yeah, I'm pretty insignificant." My little us here talking about our phones pinging <laughs> and getting angry at our kids doesn't matter for shit, does we it? We just let it all go. No, no, that storm could be like, fuck you and your phone, yeah, here we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, nature's, nature's got it all going on. Nature's got it all going on. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So, so, so now, know those signs for yourself. And, yeah, for me, they're some of mine. And what causes that for you is that um, allowing the work – to start, well, let me just ask, what, what causes that for you? So I'm a psychologist. So I'm going to go inwards. I think some of that is that belief as well. So I feel like I should. I should take it on. I should be doing this. So um, I'm the CEO of our business. We've got 15 people in our team. And I still carry that, even though I do this work and I, I operate in this field, I still carry that belief that I should be the good girl and I should have it all together and I should be able to do it all. And that's what a CEO does. Um, they And they 
probably should burn the, burn the midnight oil. They should be lighting candles at both ends. They should be working harder than anyone else in the business. Like all of these beliefs and whether they're mine, their societies, or they've just been handed down through generations, I think they drive the things that we say yes to or that we put on our plate. I certainly know that for me. So it's a bit of that. Um, and the fact that I haven't then gotten clear around what is it that I actually want to do? And I haven't actually taken the time to be really purposeful. And I now do it with my week, um, every single week, because every week is different where I'll go, what's on, what's already scheduled, but where do I want to put my time? And even though it's scheduled, I can actually say no, like I can cancel it. I can pull out of that. I can, <laughs> like, it's not something I want to do plenty of times, but it's certainly on the table. And if it's right for me to do that this week, uh, then, then that's something that I'll do. Yeah. Boundaries of a really important thing to talk about. Brandy Brown wasn't the first person to speak about it, uh, but she's the reason a lot of people know about it. Ali will help us navigate the sometimes difficult conversations we may and sometimes need to have with our employers when they disrespect our boundaries or they ask too much. We're back with Ali in just a moment. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So what can we do when our employers ask too much of us or they're unreasonable in their requests on our time? A mate of mine who's a father of two, his uh, contract was ending soon. His boss had asked him to do five hours of unpaid work on the weekend. And um, I was asking Ali about this. What should we say to our employers when they're crossing our boundaries like that? I guess for what's going on for me is there's kind of the interim and then there's kind of the long term. So what is it that I need to learn <laughs> what do I have to do now to look after me and my people? And what is it in the long term? Is this an organisation that I want to be a part of? Is this the way I want to be treated? Is this going to be a long-term project? Uh, and if not, then what's next and where do we go from here? Again, without knowing the, the ins and outs, I do wonder, and this is a curiosity and part of me, is can we start to have those questions in organisations and even just call out, look, I'm wondering, and when you mentioned the contract before, is that on your mind that my contract's ending and you really want to kind of push that through? Is that what's going on? I'm just kind of curious. Um, and when you ask this Saturday, I can clear the decks, but one of the fears that I've got is that that's going to turn into every Saturday between now and January. What's your intention? How's that going to work? So... Can we be brave enough to lay it on the table 
in a way that's courageous but also curious without pointing the finger. And I think that's part of that acceptance thing is we, we have to do the work before we step into that conversation because otherwise we, we become in accurate as you know, accusing mm. and they'll get defensive yeah. and you won't actually get the outcome you want. Yeah. But we, and people who work in workplaces, they're very aware of what organisations are trying to achieve. They're very aware of the business behind the work. And I don't think we can, sh- we have to shy away from that. Businesses exist to make money and it's okay to talk about that. So if this contract is finishing is it likely to extend? What's that actually mean for you? When you say five hours, what is it that needs to get done? Could it be done in two? Could we have a couple of us working on it and we'll bust it out in two hours on Friday afternoon and not do it on kind of Saturday? So stepping into those uncomfortable conversations, if we can do it with curiosity and do it with empathy for the other person who has even said that, um, allows us sometimes to go, there's not just a yes or a no answer. Maybe there's another way. Maybe there's something else we can look at. Yeah, I can do it on Saturday. Do you reckon you know, you can come in as well? Yeah. <laughs> Is there another, like, you know, if we're in this together, like, and it's almost, and in that environment, someone needs to be the leader and sometimes the leader is not the person with the title (laughs) and that who who is the leader or who is the hero in the relationship in the way that we work in the way that we connect and how can we stand up for that so that's yeah that's That's how my guys what you've just described (laughs) what you've just described that conversation to have with an authority figure or a superior that would involve a skill set that I do not have. Mm. All right, I would just be full reactionary. I'd mm. be like, how dare you threaten my livelihood? And then the next sentence say, you know, now that I'm fully primed to be like, oh, I'm on notice. Yeah. And now that I'm fully like, shit, yes, what am I going to do? Start of a school year, contract ending, looking for a job in January, summer holidays, fuck. Oh, hang on, now you want me to prove that I'm worth turning over the contract? Damn, I would just be full reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the problem with the um, with the yes, I'll come in and I'll try and prove that. Um, and if I prove my value, come January, you'll give me another contract or you'll extend my contract. Is that we haven't, we don't know. And this happens, and this is what breaks my heart. Is that this happens in workplaces all the time, and I see it. Um, again, not so much in the context you're talking about, but I, I have a program for women in leadership roles and I see it for women all the time is that they will work hard to prove their worth, hoping that someone will notice and they don't. And it's not that it doesn't go unnoticed, but it definitely goes unrecognised or un, no one ever says thank you or acknowledges that. So rather than kind of working blindly, how can we set that out and take ownership back on that so what am I working for how is this going to work yes I can do Saturday but I can't do any others between here and here or I can but I can only do a couple of hours can I put in a couple of other hours Mm. in between Um, I get that you don't have budget but and we always have other currencies right so is there another currency I get that you don't have budget but it's my daughter's soccer and you know sports day on Wednesday can we do a bit of a flexibility around that so what are the other kind of currencies at play but you're right they, you know, and 
this is there's not a skill set. Yeah. We're not taught this. Our no. parents don't teach this. We don't get taught at school how to stop and have these conversations. No. So, yeah, coming back to that acceptance stuff is accept the reaction. It's okay to have that reaction. It's okay to have that in the moment. Um, and, and even if it's come out to that authority figure, it's okay. Mm. But no, it's going to require a different changing of the gears. And usually we, we wait for the authority figure to be the hero, to look after us, to look out for us. And the problem is you're putting then your future, if your livelihood, in someone else's hands. So what is it that, that you can take control over? How could you be the hero in that conversation? It's important. That's always, always good to remember. How can you be the hero in the conversation the next time you're in a situation like that? The full chat with Ali, well worth diving into. Scroll back to episode 259 right here on this podcast feed. You can follow Ali on socials. She's at A-L-I-H-I-L-L. Thank you so much for listening. We're back here on Friday. Big thanks to Andy Ma on audio and video post-production, Rachel Barrett, the executive producer of everything, Bree Steele, who produced this episode, and Toe Hider, who made all the music. If you like what we do here, please share it. Please tell a friend. And uh, come and say good day on Discord. We'll put the link in the show notes. Look after yourselves. I'll see you Friday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.